Let's pray. Heavenly and merciful Father, ever-present Lord, Saviour, mighty Holy Spirit, we thank you, Holy Trinity, for all the works that you do and all the works that you're doing and all the works that you will do. We praise you that we can glorify your name. Lord, we've lifted up your name to a certain extent already. But Lord, there's more. I know there's more. And I pray, Lord, that these, hung, these hearts are hungry for more. And as we explore the fruits of your Holy Spirit today, that you would start to bubble up in us so that we start exhibiting even more and more of you to glorify you in this world. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen. amen. So this is part seven of the Holy Trinity, This Is Our God series. And today we will look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now I sort of hinted in my last preach that I will be talking on baptism. And originally we were going to be baptizing people today, and it's slightly different correctly. And then last week, God was kept challenging me, saying, it's not the right preach, it's not the right preach. So I had to switch. And that's why I'm preaching on the fruit of the Spirit today. I will be preaching on baptism of the Holy Spirit in 2022 now. But the key verse for today is Romans 8, verse 5, which states, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So quick recap from the last message. God the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's directed and sent from God the Father and God the Son. He is the Spirit of God, and he indwells and renews all believers. He reveals God's truth to us, and he empowers us for service. So most fruit starts as a seed, which needs to be planted and nurtured in good soil. The seed needs sun, and it needs to be watered. God's words God's word will bring refreshing water to our soul. And while, while the life of the Holy Spirit is like the sun on us. Good soul is a good, Bible-centered, spirit-filled, active church community. As with some seeds, some grow quicker. And others are dependent on the environment. So some fruit will come quicker than others. We need to set our minds on the things of the Holy Spirit. So our hearts can be set on the things of God, which are eternal and not the things of this world, which will always pass away. As we follow Jesus, developing a deeper relationship with him through the Holy Spirit, we will produce more fruit of the Spirit and less bad fruits of the flesh. So before everyone starts bringing out their uh, dictionaries, when I say fruit and not fruits, because it will be multiple things I'm talking about, because fruit of the Spirit comes from one person, it's singular. We're not looking at multiple fruits we're seeing one fruit coming from one source okay okay because i know some people say well you keep saying fruit and i know what i'm talking about so number one what does jesus in the bible say about being fruitful matthew 7 verses 16 to 17 you will recognize them by their fruits are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles so every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit The fruit we produce determines if we are Jesus-centered. In John 15, we see Jesus as being the true vine and how we are connected to him. He wants us all to be fruitful and he will prune us to bear more fruit. He stresses to us to stay connected to him always. The Father is glorified and honored when we bear much fruit and bear we are his disciples. Paul also talks about being fruitful in Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 11. 
For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as the children of light, for the fruit of light, or the spirit, is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So the second thing we're going to be looking at are what are the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5 verses 22-23 notes, The fruit of the Spirit are here, and here are some of the fruits of the Spirit, and I'm just giving you a bit more detail with the verses which are highlighted here. Starting with love, and the verse that everyone looks for in that one is 1 Corinthians 13. There's joy, Romans 14 verse 17, and 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 9, and peace, John 14 verse 27. These three are focused on our attitude towards God. The next three, patience, seen in Romans 2, 7, and 1 Peter 2, verses 23. Kindness, Titus 3, verses 1 to 5. And goodness, 1 Peter 2, verses 11 to 12. Are more focused on social relationships. And then the last three, faithfulness, seen in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. Gentleness, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And self-control, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27, focus on our principles for our Christian conduct. The fruit of the Spirit are concerned with developing our character to be more like Jesus. Every believer should exhibit, exhibit these attributes. For me, the fruit shows in these, shown in these verses should have the word godly before them, e.g. godly love, godly joy, etc., Everything we need is supplied from God, from his Son, through the Holy Spirit. So anything from the Holy Spirit has been sent from God for us. Let's be clear. When I say godly, I mean how God would want us to do it. We can only do this through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at each of these now, starting with love. Love is one of God's key characteristics. So great is his love that he sent his son to die for us. Godly love is a choice, not an emotion. It chooses to set aside our preferences, desires and needs to put another person first. Anyone who's had a child, a baby child that is, should know that you do not get up in the middle of the night just for the fun of it. You are getting up because you love that child and you want to make sure that child is nurtured. A love that gives freely without asking anything in return quote from C.S. Lewis the great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go God's love for us does not as Jesus said in John 15 it expresses itself in loving ways and always seeks the welfare of others before our own through Jesus Christ our greatest goal is to do all things in love as we see in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8 Godly love is reflected for our character a mature Christian shows this fruit, showing this fruit sacrifices their rights and freedoms to avoid any action that might harm or destroy another's Christian relationship with God. If you read the letters of Paul, that's exactly what he's doing. Even when he's rebuking, he's still doing it in love. You can feel the fatherly love coming through the letters when you read it. Joy. Acts 16 verse 25 about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. 
The context of that verse is they had been wrongly beaten and imprisoned for their faith. But as you can see, they're joyfully worshipping and praising God. Godly joy is much deeper and secure than happiness, completely rooted in God. Joy translated from the Greek means gladness and delight. So they're delighting in being imprisoned, literally, for the glory of God. This joy stems from knowing Jesus. His love for us, recognising what he has saved us from, taken us through, and where he's taken us to. It is eternal. It cannot be taken away. And it's not dictated by circumstances or emotions. It's not generated by us, but comes from God. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work this fruit in us, we can be joyful despite what we face, as we know we do not face it alone. And we face it for a purpose, for God's glory, as seen in Nehemiah 8, verse 10. A quote from Christian Quotes Info. If you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Peace. John 14, verse 27 states, Peace I leave with, leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God's salvation provides peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now we don't have it in our own strength to make this sort of peace, but our Lord Saviour Jesus does, as he is the Prince of Peace. Godly peace comes through God's authority in our situations. Without it, we would have no peace. So we exhibit his peace when we place our situations into his hands and we trust him to bring us through. I have to testify, church, that's the only thing that keeps me sane at night, that I've put in God's hands and God is dealing with it. Because when I'm trying to fuss about it and stress about it, who does it benefit? Certainly not me, because I'll get an ulcer, drop dead before I'm 60, and my wife gets all my money. I don't see the benefit in that. <laughs> through his peace, he becomes the focus, not our problems. Peace with God through his salvation and peace with others. And we praise God for the peace with others. But, because he's, brought, he's come into situations and he has brought peace where literally it was conflict before. The source of salvation is grace. So if we forsake the gospel we will forsake God's peace. Patience, or also known as long-suffering or endurance. Romans 2.7 To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. I don't know about you, but the pace of life is really overwhelming at the minute. The world has no patience for anything, and it has this I-want-it-now culture. Fast food, fast cars, fast broadband, fast TV. Don't know about you, even I'm getting impatient with adverts. And they're only three minutes long. How good is our God who has shown us such great patience when he waited for us to return to his arms after being out in this world? The lost have been found, and once found, we will never be lost again. He also shows great patience with us when we make mistakes, and he helps us clean them up. So we must also reflect and wait in his patience for others to receive his salvation and be a people of patience, waiting to see what the Lord will do next in our lives and in the lives of others.
Godly patience is a powerful fruit to exhibit in this world. It truly goes contrary to the norm. Patient people can endure dire circumstances and tolerate difficult people, even when they work your last nerve. Read the book of Job. That will show you. Patient people show and develop endurance and perseverance, as seen in Colossians 1.11. There was an elder here previously, many years ago, that used to call my wife Saint June, because she's had the patience of a saint. I still don't know why he's made that statement. But I'll take his word for it. Kindness. Titus 3, verses 1 to 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Kindness acts for the good of others despite what they do. It is goodness in action. It's doing something and not expecting anything back. It includes being humane, gentle, friendly, compassionate, considerate, or sympathetic. Godly kindness is expressed generously as God does to everyone, believer and sinner, every day by his mercies towards us. The world shows kindness, but I wouldn't say it's godly kindness. Godly kindness always shows his hand at work and brings glory to his name. It goes an extra mile compared to ordinary kindness, showing compassion and great love in relation to the person to build relationship, as we see in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 6 and 7. Goodness. 1 Peter 2, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the state or quality of being good, ready to do good, showing moral excellence and virtue. It works closely with kindness and delights in being good to serve others and provide help for needs. We live right before God. If we live right before God, we will first learn to live right with others. It allows us to be good examples and role models others will follow. In 2 Thessalonians 1.11 I don't like to be political, but I will just say one thing. It is sad that the people that lead certain nations cannot be good role models. Because they're the ones we're looking to to lead us. I believe a leader has to be a good role model. If it's as a leader, in a church, in your household, even as a friend, you've got to be a role model. There's no point you jumping off the cliff and telling your friend to jump off the cliff with you. You're supposed to be telling your friend, no, stop. Your life is worth more than this. And stop them from doing it, not jump with them. That's all I'll say on that note. This is a godly quality that helps believers draw in non-believers. It allows people to feel safe, ask questions, confide and develop trust. It has no manipulating influences at work in it. It's just genuine love in action. Faithfulness. Psalm 26 verse 3. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. Faith is divine persuasion received from God. To be faithful is to be reliable or trustworthy. 
For believers, this is faithfulness to Jesus, who redeemed us through his faithfulness and submission to his heavenly Father. Godly faithfulness for us is continued obedience and submission to Jesus through his Holy Spirit. It is an enduring faith, no matter the circumstances, faced even unto death, as seen in Hebrews 12, verse 2. A believer showing this fruit wholeheartedly trusts in God's promises, believes in Jesus' resurrection, and is convinced that Jesus Christ is their Lord Saviour. They are faithful people in deed and action. They can be relied on, and people will place their trust in them. Now, just touching on this, isn't it better to have someone that you can rely on? Yeah? If someone says they're going to be here at 10 o'clock, I'm not talking about you, church. If anyone says that you're going to be here at 10 o'clock, you want them to be here at 10 o'clock, yeah? If you need to start something, you need to start something. When someone keeps letting you down, sooner or later you're going to get to the point where you say, why should I bother? It's, it's effect and cause, isn't it? At some point you're going to get fed up, and then when they really need your help, you're not going to be there. Because you've missed me about so many times before. Why should I bother now? It's dangerous territory. So, church, I would encourage you. And again, I'm not saying anything about turning up at, on time. I'm saying in your household, in your livelihood, your children, your friends and family are watching you. We need to be reliable people. Because we are the example. Plus the fact we're ambassadors for Christ. So we are representing him in this world. So, try not to. I'm putting my hand up. I'm not always on time. So I'm not condemning anyone. But I'm saying, as a role model, I need to do better. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? As with marriage, faithfulness to God is for life. God still holds this characteristic in high esteem, as it's one of his key elements. He expects high standards of faithfulness from us all in all our relationships. Gentleness or meekness. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labour and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Gentleness is strength under control and can be closely linked to humility and meekness. It is not assertiveness or self-seeking, but it's gracious and tender. It allows us to keep passions and emotions in check and bring an even temperament within us. Godly gentleness is a key ingredient for peace and unity within the church, as Ephesians 4 verse 2 states. Gentle people are normally reasonable and easy to get along with, but as a result, some people do take advantage of that. Godly gentleness shows kindness and love to people. Jesus showed this many times when dealing with very sensitive situations. As believers, parents or leaders in any capacity, we do need to rely on the spirit to ensure we show gentleness in the appropriate situations. I don't know about you, but I work with IT and I have to train some people sometimes and I get queries on the phone. And sometimes the person will tell me what their issue is and I'll be in my head going for a checklist. But I don't know if you've seen that joke on YouTube where the person goes through the whole call and then the person states, and the person asks, have you plugged in the computer? And the person says no. And I think then there's a lot of 
X and exclamation marks at the end. But sometimes, church, we've got to be like that. We've got to be, just keep going with that person. Even though you don't know where it's going to go or how mad they're going to get you. Believe me, as a parent, I know children will work your last nerve. But I still need to be gentle. Because if I teach him wrong, my son, or any other child, then they're going to teach their children wrong. And it's just a spiraling effect. So we've all got to do show gentleness and meekness. That's what Moses was noted for, his meekness. Not about the Ten Commandments, but his meekness. God, that's God's words, not mine. Self-control. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25 to 27. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, not we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is important fruit to develop in our walk with the Holy Spirit. This is where the battle between the Spirit and our flesh will happen. Victory here for the Spirit is crucial for any change God needs us to make and for our development as God sanctifies us. Once the Holy Spirit is at work in us, we have the choice not to follow our sinful instincts and desires. As we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, we experience control over our thoughts and our actions, as seen in 2 Peter 1, verses 5 and 7. This will allow us a spirit-disciplined life to be enjoyed and others around us. It is a strength that can help others who are not as strong. So why is it important for us to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit is a product of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now let me just confirm to you, church, let us not fall into the trap that the Pharisees did and thought self-righteousness was the key. If you exhibit these things naturally, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, naturally, not that you're struggling to do it, that you have to go to the Bible every time and think, I've got to read this verse before I can show goodness and kindness, <laughs> then you're in trouble. The spirit at work in you makes it come naturally. That's what you should aim for. It's not a tick box exercise. Don't say, oh, I haven't done that one yet. Allow the Holy Spirit to do it through you and it will come natural at some point. They can only be produced by him and not any works or efforts of us. But this will help us manifest and show the characteristics of Jesus Christ, which is the key aim to these fruits, and ultimately change us to be more like him in every way. They are the evidence of God's presence and power at work in us through following his instruction. A life lived for God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, pleases God. And it allows us to be a good fruit for his kingdom purposes through godly wisdom and understanding. So can we hinder bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Yes. We are constantly warned through scripture by both Jesus himself and his disciples and apostles to strive to produce good fruit. Any gardener will tell you to produce good fruit takes time. So we need patience and intentional effort, lots of work, and the best materials and environment to ensure good fruit grows and survives the rigours of life. What may hinder the growth of the fruit of the Spirit? 
one word, sin. This covers a multitude of actions, attitudes and words, but this will hinder your fruit bearing. Like any gardener will tell you, their greatest enemy is weeds and things that make your fruit sick or unwell. The Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome our sinful desires and old ways. And if the temptational desire is too much, he always provides a way out for us so we do not have to fall into sin again, as we see in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. As we allow the Holy Spirit more control in our lives, he works in and through us to a deeper level and continues his work to grow us to be more like Jesus, as we see in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 17 to 18. The fruit of the Spirit shows if a believer is growing and maturing in God. Paul shows the fruit of the Spirit as application of God's grace towards others. God wants us to be happy and desires for us to live life to the full in his presence. The fruit can reflect multiple aspects at the same time. In 1 Corinthians 13, love is the key attribute. But this chapter also shows other fruit as well such as patience and kindness. But church, let us not forget, there are many other characteristics of God that we should strive and exhibit for his pleasure and glory. There's endurance, seen in Romans 5, verse 3 to 4. Perseverance, in James 5, 11. Encouragement, Romans 15, 5. Righteousness, godliness and steadfastness, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. I am sure there are more, but I think these are enough for us to be getting on with at the moment. My last scripture for today is Colossians 1 verse 10. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Be encouraged, church. God chose you. And he wants you to bear good fruit for him. So for us to be fruitful for God, we must allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, allow him to prune us of unhelpful ways, work with him to encourage more growth and fruit, and keep your focus on God and not your own works. Do you want to be fruitful for God? You're very quiet, church. I can hear these two, but I can't hear the rest of you. Do you want to be fruitful for God? Yes. Amen. So, I think we need to pray. The thing that the Holy Spirit's been hitting me with a lot lately is, I need to ask. You know? He's right there with me. Closer than June is, most of the time. He's there right there with me. In my good times and bad times. In those times when all I can do is cry out, help Lord. He's the one there. So why do I keep thinking I can do it in my own strength? We're just mad, is the word I can say. Mad. When you've got the power of God, not at your command, but with you, to listen. Because sometimes you can't find someone to listen to you. You can be in the household with many people, and not one person is truly listening to you. Talk to your child when they're saying, I want. You say, no. Did they hear you? They're right next to you. But God doesn't do that. When you say, Father, please, I need your help. I'm in, I'm in a tight spot. Can you help me? And he's there saying, yes, son. 
Yes, daughter, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm right here. But we just need to ask. Same with the fruits. You need to ask. He's ready. He wants to pour it into you. He wants to give it to you. Are you hungry enough? Are you willing enough? Because he's not going to give you something if you're not going to use it. I don't give my child the Mercedes if he's not going to use it. I know he will. But what if I give him a Mini or give him a banged up for Cortina? It's still there to be used. But that's not what you would ask for. I'm not saying God's like that. Normally when I ask for a mini, God gives me something better, so much more better. And that's the God we trust in. That's the God who I have my faith in. I pray he will become that same God for you. So as we're praying for this, pray with hunger. Pray with expectation. Pray that you are going to receive it in faith. Because that's the only way God's going to hear you. He hears your cry. But does he hear your heart? That's what we've got to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the things that you do for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for always being our companion. And Jesus, Lord, Saviour, we thank you for not only saving us, but being our King. As we've heard on some of the songs today, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, there is none like you. And Lord, as those of us who have received your Holy Spirit, we pray that we exhibit you, that people can see the love, joy and peace that Jesus generates in our hearts. Because we knew his love. We didn't know what true love was until you came into our hearts. So Heavenly Father, those who have hungry hearts, those who have heard the message today, Lord, hear their cry. As they cry out to you, as they ask you for not only the Holy Spirit, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit that they exhibit and walk that walk that you've already predestined them to walk, Lord. We are the ones catching up, but we need to be the ones working, walking at your pace. Just as Paul testified, I'm running that race. And I'm sure Jesus is right there, his coach saying, keep going, Paul, keep going. Through those beatings, through those shipwrecks, through people persecuting you, keep going. I encourage this church, keep going. Let the fruits be exhibited. Let the fruits be seen by your grace and mercy. In Jesus' precious name, amen.